Love. It's the greatest action you could ever show somebody. It doesn't take words. It doesn't take much. And man, does it change a person's life right there on the spot. You know what? I've been in so many intellectual debates and, and arguments. But you know what? It's so crazy. Like, we'll all answer a couple questions here and there, you know, and answer the things, the questions that they have, you know. They get the, the logical things reasoned out and all this. But then, but then, it's like as soon as I start showing them love, like we could be battling and they're just like ticked at me. But then as soon as I start sharing the gospel, I'm just like, you know what, man? There's a God in heaven and he loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants to wipe you of all your sins. He wants to come into your life. He wants to give you heaven for free. Have you ever heard that? He wants to give you a fresh start right now in this moment. He's calling out to you. It's like all of a sudden, just the whole demeanor just changes right there on the spot. And the guy's just like, what? Yeah, like no more arguing. No more debating about the stars and this and that. It's just, no, no. All of a sudden, love is shown. That's why I love Mother Teresa so much. Hey, maybe she doesn't have all her doctrine and theology right, but guess what? She impacted the world more than any woman, probably. You say that name anywhere on the face of the earth, and they know who she is, and they know what she does. It's amazing. Just because of the simple things like showing love. You give her a brand new pair of shoes because hers are, have holes in them, she gives them away to someone. She won't take them for herself. What? What causes a person to do this? It's the love of God. And family, can we can we be known as that kind of study? Man, can we just start moving that direction? I would just really love that. I mean, if somehow we could just start, our mission was to come together every single week and it's like, okay, it's time to get equipped. But then we need to start going out and we need to start letting things happen within our family and have stories to come back and tell. Is there something tonight? Is there somebody here tonight? Maybe you got a story. There's something that just crazy happened this last week. Anything? Anybody? your heart's beating you got a story you better stand up anyone come patrick has got a story and so guess what patrick's going to bring us our devo so let him begin in that why don't you come up let's welcome patrick well it's uh, nice to see you guys tonight um well my story was um on friday i had an opportunity to uh, to leave the SWAT team out and um, and right before I came, um, like I just got hit with like a hardcore trial, and it was Satan. But it, you know, I just knew that it was gonna be okay. But um, I was worrying a lot, and it was about dealing. It, it seems like maybe something small, but it it, it 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 intertwined with a lot of things, and it was dealing with my truck, and like I don't have a bank account because of like things in the past and so I send these money orders and it's been working fine for like eight months nine months nothing's ever gotten messed up in the last like two two uh, payments or three payments they all got lost in the mail and so I had like I had like 16 or 1700 dollars just floating in the mail and and they they told my sister because it's actually it's on it's under her name and it was messing her credit up and they told my sister that uh, they're gonna come and repossess my truck on Saturday and it, and that was just on Friday night when my sister told me that right before I was heading out to go lead the SWAT team and, and I had I prepared a message and stuff to give to him and man I was just so like I was worrying you know and and I just you know I just thought are they going to really take my truck you know because these people are pretty crazy you know especially when it comes to banks and stuff and, 
So I was bummed out, and I just went to, I remember just going to, um, to church, and Vince, I don't know if you guys know him, he's like Pastor Steve's like right hand man, like, he, um, he was leaving, and I, and I was getting the keys from him so I could go up in the SWAT room, and he told me, um, he, he noticed something was wrong, because I was going to try to keep it to myself, but, so he took me aside, and, you know, he asked me, I talked to him about it, and just, the Lord just ministered through me, or, uh, to him, to me through him, and it was just about, like, he was uh, doing some reading in Psalms, and it was just a, a verse that just blessed me, and, and it really encouraged me. And um, I was just—I wasn't really worried anymore. And he just was just like, you know, just take your focus off of that. And just to make a long story short, short, um, I went out and I—we let this—I let the SWAT team or whatnot, and there was about 35 people or whatever. And it was—it was an awesome night, and we, we were going to head out to Ontario Mills, but things got mixed up and messed up and we didn't even end up going to Ontario Mills we ended up going to the plaza and I was kind of bummed out because I wanted to go to I wanted to go to the mills but um, we just didn't for some reason like well, it was pretty much God but we went we went out there and like you know we just go out with the intentions just to share about Christ you know Christ crucified and I think it was like 10 or 11 people that gave their lives to Christ just on on Friday and it was a beautiful thing because you know, my intentions were to go to Ontario Mills, but God's ways are always greater than ours. And, you know, I just allowed the Spirit to really lead me that night. And it was just like, it was such a beautiful thing, you know, and I totally just forgot about all my worries. And just like, when I went home later on that night, I just prayed to the, to the King that He's just so great, you know, and gracious. And like the next day, you know, my dad, the Lord blessed me. My dad came down and he helped me out and he, and he paid for all that stuff that was, uh, you know, they were going to come and take my truck and whatnot, and I was just blessed upon that. But then um, something greater happened uh, yesterday. All, all of the payments that were lost, I was praying, and they came back to my house finally. And, you know, and it was just like, you know, praise God. You know what I mean? It, even though it was something small, but if I was to lose, you know, they would take my truck, then I would lose my job, and, you know, I'd probably get kicked out of my house. You know I mean? It just one thing leads to a lot of things, and it was just... um. You know, it, it was a trial, and, and, and Lord really stretched me. I'll tell you that much. He stretched me, man. And, um, so, you know, I just, just praise God, man. That's that's my story for over the weekend, but, you know. But um, I'm going to I'm gonna speak um, a little bit about um, about the Spirit, and I'm so blessed to hear the, the things that Josh uh, brought back about uh, New Zealand and, and same with Rye about New um, Mexico. And um, I'm just so blessed to hear about how the Spirit worked, you know. I mean, that, that wasn't our, our brothers and sisters out there doing that work. That was the Spirit of God. But they were just willing vessels, you know. So God gets all the glory. But the most important thing we just always got to realize is that that there's we can restrain the Spirit from really working at its fullest capacity. And Paul speaks about it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. And he simply, I was just doing a devotion, it was like a couple weeks ago, and then Josh asked me if I could actually speak. And I was supposed to speak last week, but things got in the way. But um, it was just amazing. Like I was so convicted. The Lord convicted me so hard. Just from I was just reading in Thessalonians. I don't even know why I was even reading it. And I was just reading in it because I'm I'm my main studies. I'm still in the Old Testament right now. And I'm working my way back to the New Testament. And I was so blessed though. But at the same time, I was so convicted. And I just ended up writing this devo on it. It's just about quenching the Spirit. Paul says, he speaks about um, not quenching the Holy Spirit. And, you know, when you hear the word quench, you know, we all pretty much know what that word means. And 
in the Greek word, we get uh, we get our word quench from uh, the Greek word spinumi, and it simply means the uh, quenching fire or things on fire or like covering a light or just extinguishing something. You know, if there's a fire, you extinguish it. You know, and it's just like it's just amazing. You know that we can restrain the spirit from what he wants to do in our lives, and it's um, it blows my mind because. You know, I thought that I was, you know, oh, well, I don't do this, you know, and the Lord really showed me that I do do it. I do it a lot, and we, you know, I'm not going to point fingers here, but, you know, that's between you and God, and it's it's something that, it's just, um, it's kind of scary because it can get to the point, I believe, that the king will just look at you and he'll just say, you know, you're not really letting me work here right now, and he really wants to mold and sculpt each and every one of you guys to what he wants you to be. And I believe that's the biggest blessing that we can have, is to be that man and woman of God that he's all called us to be, you know? And it's just, um, I don't know, it's, it just blows me away whenever I have an opportunity and I'll be at work or something and, um, you know, you feel that nudge. You know? I mean, you can be at school, at work, wherever, you know, the gym, whatever whatever it is. And you can feel that nudge, you know, or, or you can feel like that, you hear that little voice in the back of your head. And, and you know it's not Satan because Satan doesn't tell you to step out in faith, just like he's talking about stepping out. And to go and to speak to that person that maybe looks intimidating, you know, like, dude, that guy's like a gangbanger. I don't want to speak to that guy. You know what I mean? It's like, or, or maybe that person that rubs you the wrong way at school or, you know, or at work. And those are the people that God really wants you to speak to because... Those are the people that need Jesus now. Even all the ordinary people out there that look like their lives are perfect, they need Jesus just as much. You know, I just remember back when I was in the world, um, I just wished that someone would have came up and talked to me about Jesus before. You know, I fall, I fell on my face so many times, and obviously that wasn't that. That's what you know God had planned for me. But you know, I remember one time when this um, this this one, like I guess he was like an ex gang member or something. He was doing street witnessing, and I was over by my friend's house. Um, in the ghetto area and like this guy just came up out of nowhere and he started speaking about Jesus Christ and, and receiving uh, forgiveness and, and, and I was all messed up on drugs and I just looked at him and I was like man I don't need no Jesus you know I got drugs and like and I just turned around and I just left and he's all you're going to turn your back on Jesus Christ and like he's like man you're going to you're going to you know pay for that one day and I was just like ah, I left Dude, I was so, I felt conviction upon that night, and I wasn't even, I didn't even care about God, but it took me like two days of just doing some wicked things to finally get that out of my mind, man, and it's like, I just wish, though, that someone else would have came, you know what I mean, it's like, there's so many people out there that are lost, and the Spirit's really prompting all of us, maybe just, like I said, with someone that rubs the wrong way, and it's really hard to speak to them, I mean, I know, but it's like, um, it's the biggest blessing to step out in faith to allow the spirit to work, you know, just like Josh says, you know, you just open your mouth, he'll do the rest of the work, you know what I mean, and it's like when he told the uh, the Levites when they were crossing the Jordan to first take the first step and then he would part it, and that's what they did, he wants us to first step, you know, he wants us to take those first steps, you know, and it's just, um, it's just a blessing, you know, to be able to uh, let the spirit work, and it's just like, there's so many things that come with um, allowing the spirit to work at its fullest capacity, and you know, it brings us assurance in our life. It, 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 it lets me know that I'm, in, I'm assured, I'm sealed by Christ's blood, that I'm going to heaven. I'm assured that, you know, I'm one of God's children now. You know what I mean? I'm not going to hell. And, and, and then uh, after that, you know, it just brings me understanding when the Spirit's working. You know, and I don't restrain him. I read this. And I open this book here that God's given all of us. 
it just, I can understand what I'm reading, you know? Back in the day when I would open this and look at my mom's Bible, I'd be like, dude, this is stupid, you know? Like it says it in, in um, I think it's in Romans, I don't know, it might not be, but it says, you know, the, uh, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, you know? And it's true. I, I looked at it, I was like, this is stupid, waste of time. But you know what, ma'am? It gives you understanding to also a lot of other things just in life and certain, certain circumstances that go on in your life, just like what happened from, on the weekend. He made me understand that. I just, it was so funny, you know, I was reading Job, too, for some reason, and Job says a certain verse, I'm not exactly sure, but um, he says, uh, Though the Lord may slay me, I shall praise thee. And I remember telling my dad that because my dad was just, he was telling me, you know, maybe you shouldn't go out and do this tonight, you know, you need to go handle this, and you know what, ma'am? I just, I just told him that verse, and he just left me alone, and I just hung up the phone, and I just, you know, he, the Spirit really gave me understanding that it was going to be okay, you know? And then also, the Spirit also, it convicts our lives, just like it did when I read this verse. It convicted my life. It really did. No joke, man. And it just made me really not want to do that anymore. And it was just, um, once I was convicted, I asked for forgiveness of all these things, and then the Spirit came in, and it purified. It just, the purification process just set in and it purified my life man and it just blessed me to um just to know that the spirit wants to work within me you know we all have it here and we take it for granted so much you know what i mean just like the jews they wanted to keep you know their their uh how they talked about being the seed of abraham and all these things and they looked down upon gentiles called them dogs and all these things they wanted to keep it for themselves but you know what it's, it's spread it to us, and we all have the Spirit of God within us, and we don't do nothing with it a lot of times. We just stand there idle. And you know what happens to, to idle people? You know what I mean? Like King David, when he was standing there idle, he didn't go out to war with his, his soldiers. Standing on top of the rooftop, and he sees that chick, and he's like, hey, man, she's looking good, you know? He had idle time, he was standing around. And you know what, man? He knew what he should have done, and he shouldn't have done, and he did it anyway. And it's like he wasn't allowing the spirit to work. And it's just like, we all do that. We do. And I would just pray, my prayer would be for you guys tonight that you would go home and you would pray to the king that he would use you tomorrow. And that you would step out in faith and you would not step out. Because I'm telling you, the biggest blessing in our life is allowing him to shape and to mold us. You know what I mean? It speaks about it a couple times in Isaiah about, you know, he's the... Um, the potter or the clay, you know, and, and he's going to sculpt us and you know, what he wants us. He's, we're his creation. You know, we don't, we don't ask the creator, you know, what have you made here? You know what I mean? He just does what he wants. But you know what? The last thing I'm just going to leave you guys with is just um, that um, in Genesis 6-3, it says that my spirit shall not strive with man forever. And I was just reading that and it, and it just kind of blew me away. And it's just like, it's true, you know. There's only going to be so many times that I'm not saying that you can lose your salvation, but there's going to be only so many times I believe that you know what God's just going to set you aside, man. He's going to do something else. It's just plain and simple. And and um, I like looking up words in Greek and stuff and finding the truth. You know? And I would just advise you guys just to maybe if you guys have importance, go home and look up the word strive in Greek. And I, if I see any of you guys, I'm going to ask you guys what it means. But um. You know, that's pretty much all, all I wanted to speak about tonight is just um, being obedient to the Spirit when it tells you to step out and just do it. It's the biggest blessing to see someone maybe come to Christ or just to share that love that Josh was speaking about. 
because actions um, are greater than words. So, you know, if I can just uh, leave you guys with that, um, I actually got to get out of here. I can literally when I'm in study, but um, I was blessed to come out here and see you guys. You guys are great people. Love you guys. So be blessed. You know, family, um, two things that are just ringing loud and clear. Man, I just don't want to feel like I've come back to just dropkick this place, you know, and, and be a killjoy. But family, please. When God speaks, you must step out. Maybe... I, I, I was wondering why, why that just happened. Why I said, you know, is there anybody here to give testimony you know, of what may be happening in this week? Anything exciting? Anything that's... And there's two options. Either nothing happened this week in anybody's life here. And the reason being is because we don't step out when God calls us or, hey, just like Patrick was just saying... God gives us opportunity, but we choose not to step out and we miss the opportunities. And so, hey, it's like we got to get refocused before God can even use us again. And nothing's happening. Or number two, something has been happening, but you're too scared to maybe even come up and just say in the mic. Maybe missing the opportunity right there. Just maybe God speaking to you like, yeah, you're the one. Something crazy happened this week. Why don't you come show but we've got to stop being scared. We've got to stop giving into self. You know what it has to do with? It's all about me, man. It's all because I don't want reputation to be put down. I don't want to die at all. I'm scared. And that's what it takes. And man, just Jesus stuff. That's the name of our website. It's like, man, the most important thing I think that could be happening in our weeks is Jesus stuff. Real Jesus stuff. Real stuff that he did, real stuff that the disciples did, really stepping out. And I've been so challenged in this since I've been back from North Carolina. Remember I was saying about Reynolds, just being dropkicked by stepping out in the Spirit. And then now even just tasting of it more, and I just so desire it. And family, don't you understand that this is the whole purpose of the Christian life? It is that we step out, it is that we be a light in this dying world, that we set an example for the people around and the scary thing is we're going to look at this tonight. The scariest scripture we're going to look at tonight is the one that says, and Samson knew not that the Spirit had gone away from him. And that's a scary thing that when we as a family, we as leaders, we figure out that the Spirit has departed from us. It's not that the Spirit isn't in us, but it's not upon us anymore. It's always going to be in you, family. You've come to know Jesus. But the Spirit not being upon you, you're not used of God at all anymore. We're just fat Christians who come here and just eat all the time. Just take it all in. Take it all in. Take it all in. We just eat spiritually nonstop. And we do nothing with it. And God forbid. We're going to look at this man tonight, Samson, who had great opportunity, great power given to him. But he wasted it away many years of his life. Let's turn to Judges chapter 14. I got 35 minutes, all right? We're going to do a lot of reading. 
We're going to go through a story. We're going to cover three chapters. Are you ready? What? No, Josh, don't do that. Hey, get ready. We are going to pound some scripture. We are going to see the word. We're going to recognize it tonight. Gird up your minds. Let God take you where He wants to take you tonight. Be open to the Spirit. Amen? Let's pray. Let's ask God. You too. You ask for yourself, okay? And I'm going to ask for you. Father, we come to You. And Lord, I ask, please God, that You would speak to our hearts, that You would open our eyes, that something divine would come out and that we'd really be ministered to. That we'd have our eyes open and we'd want to change God right here in this moment. Have Your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at Judges chapter 13 real quick. We're going to look at this man, Samson. This is where it begins. We're just going to look at two verses here. Verses 4 and 5. I'm sorry. Look at verse... Yeah, why don't we start in verse 2, huh? Judges chapter 13, verse 2. You there? And there was a certain man, Zorah, the family of Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and barren and bare not, meaning she couldn't have kids. And verse 3, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and bearest not, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray you, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, you shall conceive and bear a son. And listen, here it is. Here's the prerequisites for Samson, Samson this man this son, this boy that's about to come forth. For the child shall be a Nazarite. No razor shall come upon his head. A Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So what is his purpose? To deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. They are in captivity right now. They are have been prisoned for a little while here. This Nazarite boy, this Nazarite that is going to come forth, there are three things that aren't supposed to happen. Do you remember? Number one, no strong drink, no wine. He is not to drink wine or touch anything of strong drink. Number two, he is not to touch anything unclean. What's unclean? Like a dead body of any kind, okay? A dead animal. And number three, a razor is not to touch his head. This is a Nazarite vow. And many would take it back in that day. This Nazarite vow would be a symbol to show that a man would be set apart for God. Set apart. I know I know a guy that actually took the Nazarite vow, or he, he, yeah, he did here in this day and age, and he did not cut his hair for like a long time, or his face, or anything. That's not me. That's not me. But, um, and he would not touch strong, any kind of wine or anything uncleaned. Uh, there's all kinds of different illustrations for that. But, but anyways, he actually did that. But I, anyways. This man, Samson here, this boy, has been given the Nazarite vow even before he's born. And he's been given the duty. God is empowering him in the womb to set Israel free from the Philistines. Now let's look at this man. Let's look at his life. Let's look at 14, chapter 14 of Judges. We're going to jump right in to this man's life. Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Okay. Uh-oh. Scoping out some babes, all right? He's one of those guys in the mall walking around trying to get numbers. 
But he's in the wrong side of town, man. He's uh, checking out the Philistine ladies, and that's not a good thing. The Philistines are the enemy. They're of the world. And they have nothing good to offer God's people, especially in Nazareth. So he should not be anywhere there. Now, remember Samson, this, this man. Do you remember what he has been given, what God actually gave? He gives him supernatural abilities, strength. He's super power, like strong man, like unbreakable, the movie. He has superpower abilities to be able to do crazy stuff. Like he could probably just pick this house up, this building, this one hand. Hey. Now, 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 Samson, he wasn't like buff, all right? He wasn't like ripped. Like you wouldn't see him in max muscle or something like that, all right? He wasn't taking all the... Sorry. <laughs> he, he was probably just like a scrawny little guy, just average guy. You know, just like me, just scrawny, you know, just like small, just, and, 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 but, but he just had this huge hair. I mean, can you imagine like a scrawny guy just like, wow, this hair is just like afro, you know, just like walking around. Hey. <laughs> Anyways, Samson had afro, and he's ridiculously strong. He do very powerful things. They say he was a he-man with a she-weakness. Very strong. But the women took him down. We'll see this. Look at this. He knows he shouldn't be in this camp. He knows he shouldn't be doing this, but he's being disobedient already. He saw a woman in Timnah, the daughter of the Philistines. And guess what? Verse 2. He came up and told his father and his mother and said, I've seen a woman in Timnah, the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. That's what mine says. Get her for me to marry to wife. Sounds like a caveman. Me want woman now. <laughs> Philistine woman, get me, please. You know, like... And he says this to his parents. Isn't that crazy? Being disobedient. It's almost like back-talking. Because he knows his family has raised him in the ways of the Lord. And he knows that he should not be going out there and, and, and dabbling in those kind of things. And hey, real quick, family, we should be thinking about these things too. It's very important that you watch yourself and not get into the things of the world. It is so easy, guys, these days, man. So easy to be trapped and to be pulled away. And you know what I'm talking about? Those little voices in your head that say, hey, why don't you go over there? Why don't you go to this place? Or why don't you go see that? Or go do this? No one will ever know. You could go, especially when you get a car. I remember when I just when I became free, if I can say, you know, where I could go out of the house, do whatever I want. It's like I'm in the car by myself, and I can do whatever I want. I can go wherever I want. Who's going to find me? And I could see Samson going and doing this also, but he is bold enough to come to his parents and say straight up, I want this Philistine woman. She backhanded him right there and said, no, but he might have beat him up or something. You know, he is. Look what happens, verse 3. Then his father and his mother said to him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or all thy people? that you go to take a wife under the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. Oh, great. She pleases me well. This means uh, she is right in mine eyes. The Hebrew there in my margin. She is right in my eyes, or she is very pleasurable to the eye. She's hot. She's drop-dead gorgeous. I just want that. Big mistake. I mean, it's it's just classic, isn't it? I mean, it's it's right there before your eyes. We understand, but family, don't be deceived. 
For we seek out things that our eyes desire all the time. Be very careful not to say, I'd never do that. Be careful. Because we seek after the bling and watch. We, keep, we seek after the clothes. We seek after the expensive car, whatever it may be. We are continually seeking after these things and wanting, envious. Struggle with it so much within my own life. Pride. And not willing to lay down my own. But wanting these things. Trying to shield my eyes from the world. Hey, the world isn't your friend, family. It's trying to rip you off and bring you down. It's backhanging you in the face continually just saying, Hey, man. You're going to lose. You come and hang with me. And that's why I want you guys to even practice girding your, your eyes and your mind. I was watching a man this weekend that I was hanging out with, and I just saw him that he would keep his mind just focused on something all the time that was not of the world. Just constantly. I just I saw this from a distance. He didn't know I was watching him. But I was watching him. It seemed like every time I was close to and there was nothing to do, there was just idle time, get busy and start doing something that would take the mind off the things of the world because it's very easy to get caught up in that. You just sit in your car, just hanging out, driving by yourself. Got the radio cranking, all of a sudden, what the, you know, what's that? Why is that coming here? Be very careful. Don't say that my eyes aren't pleased by the world because, family, we are of sin nature. And those things are pleasing to the eye. But we must recognize that there's destruction therein. Samson didn't. Verse 4, But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord. They knew it wasn't of the Lord. And he, that he sought the occasion against the Philistines. For at the time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnah and came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion roared against him. Okay, number one. Look, check this out. Verse 5. Then Samson went down, his father and his mother, to Timnah and came to the vineyards. Okay, remember, he's not supposed to be drinking any kind of wine. What is he doing in the vineyards? Again, he's, he's playing. And he came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a lion, a young lion, roared against him. Verse 6, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would rent a kid. He had nothing in his hand, but he, hold, but he told his father not, or his mother, what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. Uh-oh. So he's hanging out in the vineyard, shouldn't be there. Goes down to Timnah. I mean, it should be, hello, the Lord's giving signs everywhere. Samson, the wine thing, remember, you're not supposed to be around this. The Philistines, this is your enemy. What are you doing? You're in captivity to them. Why are you going to the enemy to get a girlfriend? And then he goes and he kills a lion, but he doesn't tell his parents. Why? Because remember, he's not supposed to touch anything unclean. A dead animal is unclean. He's being disobedient once again. It's a testimony to us as far as family and as far as uh, submission of any kind. If you're under submission to a person, to a boss, or to a, um, gosh, to your, to your father, your mother, to anyone, and you're being disrespectful, God forbid, Honor. Be a blessing unto them. It's not a bummer when you're a blessing. You know what I'm talking about? It's a wonderful thing. So nice. And you've had those moments with your mom or your dad when you've just been such a blessing to them, and other times you've just been an idiot. Me too. 
It's not a bomber. Maybe you've been out of the house. Go go home and bless your family. The greatest thing, I one of the greatest I love living for the Lord just because it makes my dad happy. I love pleasing the Lord just because every time he sees me doing another accomplishment, I haven't even told him, he doesn't know. I went to New Zealand and I went so I'll see him in a couple weeks here and be like, So what did you do, son? Oh, preach the gospel in New Zealand and we were there in New York preaching the gospel and I fired up out there in North Carolina. He's like, man, and it just makes him glow, man. He's just so stoked. I love blessing my pops. I love being able to show that to him. It's not a bummer when you bless your boss either, family. That's a good thing. Not just doing what you're supposed to do, but maybe, hey, taking a little bit step further, showing him some love, giving him some prayer, encouraging them, hey, it's okay. Maybe, hey, here's a little Bible verse, man. Why don't you take that? Respectfully. The principle, therefore, let's look at verse 8. So Samson has gone down with this woman and she pleased him well. Man, I bet not as well as the Lord pleases him, though. She did do something. And there, verse 8, after a time he returned to take her and turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. What? And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother and gave them, and they, and they did eat. But he told them not that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Uh-oh. Mistake, mistake. Remember, he's not supposed to be doing unclean. Three things. Wine, unclean, and shaving the head. Now he goes in the carcass of this lion, in the belly of this lion. He rent this thing. To rent is the word used when a priest or when somebody there in the Old Testament, when they, anyone, I guess, literally there in Israel, if something happened, they would go into a time of mourning, they would rent their clothes. They would take their robe and they would rip it like this and they would throw ashes on their head for mourning and it would show that they were in a time of mourning but you see it just like rent their clothes and remember what was rent from top to bottom the veil there in the tab there in the uh when jesus christ was crucified it was rent from top to bottom it's a picture of the father our father renting because he had to forsake the son but then also the veil being ripped so that people can now enter in, renting happening. But he rent this lion. And now there in the belly of this lion is honey. And so what does he do? He takes some for himself, wrong. And number two, he takes some and he gives it to his parents. Double wrong. He doesn't tell them he took it out of the belly of a lion. I bet you if he was just like, hey, mommy, dad, took this out of the belly of a lion. They'd be like, what? Get behind me, Satan. You know, like, what are you doing, son? Get that out of here. It's wicked, man. You want us to be unclean? But he didn't. Just being disobedient. Just being rebellious. Let's look at verse 10. And so his father went down into the woman, and Samson made there a feast, for so used the young men to do. So the father goes down to this woman that he wants. They have a feast. They have a wedding. Verse 11. And it came to pass when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. Samson didn't have any family to come along with this wedding. Why? Because he's marrying the enemy. Who wants to come to a wedding if you're like marrying the I mean, come on. So that's what he's doing. He's marrying the enemy. And look what happens. These 30 companions come alongside him. These 30 guys there in the Philistine camp. And verse 12, And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. If you can certainly declare it me within seven days of the feast, 
and find it out, then I will give you thirty sheets and thirty change of garments. But if you cannot declare it to me, then shall you give me thirty sheets and thirty change of garments. And they said unto him, Put forth thy riddle, that we may hear it. Okay, so stop there. So he walks up to these thirty men. These are his best men. <laughs> he has no one in his wedding. So he says, and normally there in Jewish culture, the best man always gives a gift. Um, always gives some kind of gift to the best man. That's also kind of what we do here. And so he doesn't have a gift to give to them. And so what does he do? He brings a riddle to them. And he's going to tell them this riddle. And he says, hey, if you can solve this riddle, guess what, guys? If you, I mean, if you can solve it, I will give you 30 clothes or 30 pieces of clothes, which is interesting that it's 30. Just in the same way, 30 pieces of silver that deceived, that Jesus was taken, that Judas was deceived by. But 30 change of garments or 30 pieces of robe or 30 pieces of garments, clothes, whatever. He would give it to him, and of course he could make money on it. And so, but then he says, if if you can't solve the riddle, then you have to give it to me. So he kind of wheels and deals with them. There in verse 14, he tells them the riddle. He says, and he said unto him, out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. So he tells them this riddle, and they're bummed because they can't figure it out. You probably can already. What it has to do with just because of what we looked at. Out of the eater came forth meat. Who's an eater? And out of the strong came forth sweet. Out of the strong, the lion came forth sweet, honey in the belly. And it came to pass, verse 15, on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice your husband, that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you called us to take that we have? Is it not so? And Samson's wife wept before him and said, you do but hate me and love me not. You has put forth a riddle unto the children of my people and has not told me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told my father nor my mother, and, and shall I tell you? And she wept before him the seven days, while there feasted, while the feast lasted. And it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her, because she lay sore upon him. And she told the riddle to the children of her people. So look what happens. They're ticked. They're like, man, we got to know this riddle, man. We're going to have to pay Samson all this money. We, we can't do this. So they go to their this girl. What a bummer. They tell her, hey, you don't tell us? We're going to burn you and your father. Snap. These guys are brutal, man. These guys are wicked. For the sake of money? Come on, man. And so she goes and she cries to him seven days, and he tells her he's weak. He's weak to the women. He tells her, and she tells the people. And the men of the city, verse 18, said unto him, The seventh day, before the sun went down, what is stronger than a lion, or what is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto them, If you had not plowed my heifer, or my wife, you had not found out my riddle. And verse 19, look at this. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon, and slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil, and gave chains of garments unto which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, who he had used as his friend. Oh, snap. What a bummer. What a tragedy. So he has to keep his side of the deal. Samson gets ticked. He runs down to the local town and kills 30 guys. Takes their garments and gives it to these 30 fellows that he's got to pay. 
And then he runs away in anger. He's just ticked off. And he goes to his father's house. That means he steps out of the Philistine territory. And he's probably angry, probably weeping, and all the above because his wife betrayed him. But look what happens as he's gone away. His father-in-law gives his wife to one of his best men, his companion, his friend. Oh. Oh. Samson should have never got into this in the first place, but it just keeps getting worse. There, verse 16. I'm, I'm sorry, verse chapter 15, verse 1. But it came to pass within a while after, in the time of wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid, not a, not a child. It's a, uh, some kind of sacrifice. It's a goat or a sheep. And he said, or lamb, and I will go into my wife into the chamber, but her father would not suffer him to go. So guess what? He shows up with a kid, like kind of like a meal or something, you know, like to present something as, an, as, as, as a blessing. And the father goes, nope, sorry, buddy. You can't go into your wife. I mean, you can't go in and lay with her. You can't have anything to do with her. In verse 2, and his father said, I verily thought that you had utterly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to your friend. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Take her, I pray you, instead of her. In verse 3, and Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines? Though I do not dis though I do them a displeasure, Samson went and caught three hundred foxes and took fire branches and turned tail to tail and put fire in the midst between the two tails. What's going on here? This is what's always going to happen. Let it be a lesson to us. Hey, if you dabble in any part of sin in any part of the world, it's always going to come back heavier than you could ever expect. Let it be a testimony to our, our lives, family. Any kind of sin that we are dealing with right now within our lives, the repercussions are always greater than what we can handle. Be careful. Because it's going to come back on you heavy. Did Samson everything, Samson everything in a million years? That he would lose his wife to his friend? But look, he stepped into this territory and gosh, who knows what's going to happen? And... and, and there's probably a testimony within your life. You can look into your own life and see the times that you've stepped into things you shouldn't have. And the repercussions are so great. And you go through a time of mourning. You go through a time of hardship. You go through a time of despair. And heaviness comes upon. And we wonder. And then we cry out to God. And we ask you know, Him to save us. And all this stuff. And He does. He always pulls through. But let it be a testimony unto us. To just stay away from those things. Maybe that word needs to go out for some tonight here. Get away from it. Cut it off. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut, cut it off. Cut it off. That means no connection to it. Do whatever it takes. Throw it out the window. you got to make the change. There are bigger things, repercussions than you'd ever want to handle. Let this truth sink in your heart, please. And look what happens. He gets angry now. And instead of repenting before God, look what he does. He grabs a bunch of foxes. The word there in the Hebrew, it could either be fox or jackal. And uh, scholars say it was probably jackals because they kind of run more in packs. So Samson would have had a, foxes run individually. He would have had to catch each one. But jackals run more, you know, they're like these small wolves. So he caught 300 of them. And he ties their tails together and he lights them all on fire. Because he's mad at the Philistines. And look what he does. Verse 4, And Samson went and caught 300 foxes, or jackals, and took firebrands and turned tail to tail, and put a firebrand in the midst between the two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the 
standing corn of the Philistines and burnt up both the shocks and all the standing corn with the vineyards and the olives. So now he is really <laughs> causing some problems, man. He lights these guys on fire and sends them through the fields of the Philistines. And so guess what? Burns down the entire harvest. Think about this. This is like going into your house and taking all the food away that you have. Say you stocked it up for a year and you take out all they take all your food. You don't have any food now. That's what he did. He burnt down all their all their wheat. Everything. It just boom to the ground. I mean, now the Philistines are ticked. You see how this thing is just smoldering? It kind of reminds me of the world and like the, the parties and, and the things that he used to be involved in just there in the club, just seeing people and just watching them. That's how the world always works. It always starts off small. It's some guy looking at his girl, and so he's all ticked because he's drunk. And he goes over and wants to fight the guy, and he ends up smashing his face, and then his buddies come back. And they come and they beat this guy up and jump him. And then what? He goes and gets his buddies. Somebody gets shot and killed. And then somebody ends up in prison. And they wonder, how did this happen? Because somebody looked at some girl. What the heck? That's the world, man. That's what's happened here in this picture. Samson's hanging out with the wrong crowd. And man, family, we got we to gotta reach out, man. We got to step out to the people who are in the world, huh? We got to help them. We have life. Hey, if you had the cure for AIDS, would you tell someone? If you had the cure for cancer, would you open your mouth? You have the gift of life. You know which way is the right way. God forbid that you hold it within and don't tell anyone. My way. I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm... What? Why? You have treasure. And those... Man, listen. Don't let our lives become, get caught up in such a way that we're in routine, that we're not being spirit-led, that God could speak and use us any place, anywhere, anytime. In the grocery store, hey. The gas station and your home. Be ready. Be ready to reach out to those who are lost. Gosh, when we get to heaven. Do you remember that movie, Schindler's List? Remember at the end, if you don't know, it's a Holocaust movie. And this guy Schindler, he owns like these big factories or something like that. And, and he starts buying the Jews from Hitler to come and work for him. And he realizes at the end of the movie that he could have bought many more Jews. And every single Jew that he bought was actually saved from the Holocaust. And it's a true story. And he realizes at the end, he takes off his watch and he's like, I could have bought 10 more Jews with this. He takes off his jacket, I could have bought 20 more Jews with this. He's fed up with himself because he missed the opportunity. He saved many, yes he did, but he missed many opportunities because he wasn't open. And man, God forbid that we allow people to perish and die in their sin because we won't open our mouth. God forbid, family. Your family. God forbid they die and go to hell. How would it rest upon your conscience? Please, hear my heart. Don't allow this stale life just to come in. Don't allow busyness to come in. Let's be a family that moves here in this city like never be. This small, this small group here would be great. Let's come back next week with testimony, huh? I want to hear something. I'm going to ask this crowd. Is there somebody who's got something that happened? I want to see testimony within your life. If you've just eaten all this spiritually and you've done nothing with it, it's, it's worthless. You understand? We've got to reach out. We'll find ourselves in a big hole. 
There's a lot of people in this big hole. We got to pull out. Verse six, and the Philistine said, "If you're wondering about time, I still got, I got, I got nine minutes. All right, nine minutes. Bear with me till eight thirty. Then the Philistine said, "Who has done this?" Oh, they're ticked. And they answered, "Samson, the son-in-law of, Tim, of the Timonite, because he has take, because he t- had taken his wife." And given her to his companion. And the Philistines came and burnt her and her father with fire. Oh gosh. It just keeps getting worse. How deep is this hole going to get before it stops? Before somebody repents before God? So the Philistines get ticked because Samson burnt down their fields and they go to his wife. It's like Braveheart, remember? They go and they kill his wife right there. The man that stirred a fire with him now. It's not the right principle. It's not the way Jesus said, do unto others as you want done to you. Samson ain't doing unto others what he wants done to him because he doesn't like it when they do it back to him. Look what happens there in verse 7. And Samson said unto them, Though you have done this, yet I will be avenged of you, and after that I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh, or from high to low, with a great slaughter. And he went down and dwelt the top of the rock of Adam, Edom. Then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Le- Lehi. Look what's happening here. He went, he just got ticked and just went and slaughtered a bunch of guys. Just went up there and just drop kicked a lot of guys. I mean, this thing is just building. It sounds like gang wars, you know, in L.A. or something. It's just like, what is going on here? Verse 9, And the Philistines went up, and they pitched themselves in Judah, and spread themselves in Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why are you coming up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson are we come up to do with him as he has done to us. Yep, that's classic. That's what we hear. He killed my brother, so I'm going to kill his. And look at Samson. Look what's happened. Look what he's done. He's brought his whole nation into danger now. Judah looks at him and says, Judah, the nation, hey, Philistines, what are you doing over here? They're like, well, because this man came and killed a bunch of our guys, we're coming over to attack you. Then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Knowest you not that the Philistines and the rulers are over us? What is this that you have done unto us? And he said unto them, As they did unto me, so I have done unto them. And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson swore unto them, Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. So he's like, okay, fine. They take him to the top. The, Samson's hanging out at the top of this hill, like Mount Rubido. 3,000 guys go up there to the top. Judah, the nation, his own nation. They're like, man, dude, we're in the hand of the Philistines. What are you trying to do, kill us? He's like, well, they did something to me, so I'm doing it back to them. They're like, well, we've come up here to bind you. We're giving you over, man. Sorry, we're not going to defend you. He's like, all right, but don't come against me. You can bind me and give me to the enemy, but don't come against me. And they spoke unto him, saying, No, but we will bind you fast and deliver you into their hand. But surely we will not kill you. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. Verse 13 and verse 14. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And the cords upon him and the arms became flax that burnt with fire, 
The band's loose from off his hands. Uh-oh. So they hand him over to the Philistines, and look what happens. He's bound up. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes upon him, and it's like the rope that was on him is like, uh, it's like, it's like a fresh strand of, of, uh, of vine, like right off green. You know how green, like trees are really hard to break and really hard to cut through? It says they were young or they were new, meaning that they were just fresh grown. And so it's not like a, a dead piece of, of rope. No, it's like, so they put this, they bound him up in this thinking that they got him. And he starts walking up to them and all the Philistines start shouting like, yeah, we got Samson. He's going down. He messed with us. He's going down. They, they're going to they're try to kill him. And look what happens. All of a sudden, he breaks through this like, like fire touching rope. You know how fast that, that snaps? It's like if you take any little bit of string and just put fire to it, it's like, you know, it's just gone instantly. And that's what happened to the ropes on his hands. And look what he did. Verse 15. And he, Samson, found a new jawbone of a donkey and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. Oh, snap. And Samson said, with this jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps with the jawbone of a donkey, I've slain a thousand men. And it came to pass... When he had made an end of speaking, that he cast the jawbone out of his hand and called the place Ramathlei, which means the lifting up of the jawbone or the casting away of the jawbone. Oh, gosh. It just keeps getting worse. This story doesn't get better. I'm just going to start mowing through the rest of this so you can see, and i got a point here at the end that I want to make. So just watch. Then all of a sudden, Samson, look in verse 18, after he killed a thousand men, and he was sore athirst, or he was thirsty, and he called to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance into the hand of the servant. Now shall I die for thirst and fall to the hand of the uncircumcised? And God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw, or in Lehi, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore he called the name of the place, and Hakor, which is in Lehi unto this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. So, okay, things kind of slop, stop and slow down for Samson right there. After he kills all these Philistines, everything just stops. And he kind of is known as his hero now there in Israel because, hey, he's delivered them from the Philistines somewhat, right? That's what he's born for, remember? And so he kind of helps deliver here, and it says that he judges Israel for 20 years. There in verse 20. And he judged Israel in the days of his Philistine, in the days of the Philistines, 20 years. So he did good. Here is the only good that we see in Samson's life. This 20 years, he starts, some say he starts living for the Lord in some way, shape, or form. But look what it had to take. Look what it has to take many times in our lives, gosh, for us to be broken and to be humbled before God is able to use us. He judges for 20 years, but look what happens after the 20 years of reign. So he does some good. And he's actually known in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, as one who actually practiced righteousness and put forth judgment and really rescued Israel. So he's, he's there in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, which is amazing. We're going to get to that point in just a second. Let's blow through. Yeah, come on, get ready. Chapter 16, here we go. Then Samson went to Gaza, and he saw a harlot or a prostitute. Oh, great. What is he doing in Gaza? And what is he doing looking at a prostitute? 
There he sees a prostitute, and he went in under her, or he had sex with her. And it was told at the Gazite, saying, Samson is come hither. And they compassed him, and laid with and laid with for him all night in the gate of the city, and were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. So guess what? He goes in to lay with a prostitute. Big mistake, buddy. What are you doing back in Philistine territory? Look what happens. The Philistines know he's in town again, and so they come to try to kill him. Twenty years have passed, and they still want to take him out. Amazing. You reap what you sow. We'll come back on you. Verse 3, And Samson laid till midnight, and arose at midnight, and took the doors of the gate of the city, and the two posts, and went away with him, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders, and carried them up to the top of the hill that is before Hebron. What? Okay, so... They went. They were going to try to kill him in the morning when he woke up. But there in the night, he goes and he rips the gates off the city. Now, the gates of a city are big, okay? This is not a small duty. He walks up and he rips the gates of the city off the door hinges, okay? I mean, I don't know how big the city was, but I mean, how big are the doors? My gosh, he, he rips these things off and get, he carries them to Hebron, it says. You know how far that is? 38 miles 38 miles, he carries these gates on his back and takes it up to the top of a hill. I bet it's just to show the Philistines, like, what's up? You guys ain't got nothing on me. And being prideful once again. And there in verse 4, it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Here we go. And the Lord and the lords of Philistines came up into her, unto her and said unto her, Entice him, who? Samson. And see wherein his great strength lies. And by what means may we prevail against him that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give you, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. So this woman, Delilah. Man, there's a song by Regina Spector called Samson. And it's kind of hard to break down, but I heard this. It's like piano and just her singing, and she's speaking about how the, like, the Bible's got it wrong. Like Samson, like he was so in love and he was so stoked, and that was a wonderful time, him and Delilah, or him and this woman, whoever this was. She tries to talk about it like it's some fantasy and some like wonderful thing, and hey, I bet it was. But it cost him everything, and we're going to watch right now what's going to happen to this man. And look at, she is deceived by money. Money. Gosh. Verse 6, And Delilah said unto Samson, Tell me, I pray you, wherein the great strength lies. See, she didn't even know. It wasn't that he had big biceps or bulging triceps. No. He's a scrawny little guy, man, with an afro. She should have known. Just look at the fro, man. Who else has got an afro here? And Samson said unto her, If they buy me with seven green whists that were never dried, then shall I, I be weak. And be as another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought unto her seven green whists, which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. So now seven green pieces of rope, really fresh. He says, this is how I'll be weak. He lies to her. And so, guess what? She gets what's, what's needed. The Philistines bring it to her, and look what happens. Verse 9, there there were men lying in a wait. And abiding with her in the chamber, and she said unto him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he broke with the thread as a thread of a toe. 
is broken and it touched the fire, or as it touched the fire, so his strength was not known. And Delilah said, Samson, behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray you, wherein you are mightiest be bound. And he said unto her, verse 11, If they bind me with fast new ropes that were never occupied, then I shall be weak as another man. The same thing. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therefore and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And there were liars, not liars, people lying in wait, abiding in the chamber. And he brake them off of his arms like thread. And Delilah said, Samson, you have mocked me and told me lies. She did, I mean, look at this, just wearing him down. Tell me wherein you might be bound. And he said unto her, If you weavest the seven locks of my head with the web. And she fastened it to a pin and said unto him, Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awakened out of his sleep and went his way, pin of the beam and with the web. So she weaved his hair to something to try to lock him down. But he just picked it up and smashed the whole thing. And there in verse 15, And she said unto him, How can you say, I love you, when your heart is not with me? Mom. You have mocked me these three times, and had not told me wherein thy strength lieth. Isn't this how sin gets us, family? Not once, not twice, but thrice comes after us slowly, a little bit at a time, inch and in. I've experienced it. You have too. Be on guard. Be on guard. Be set apart. What it, what, Samson was not willing to stand up. He could have said it there in the beginning, I'm a Nazarite, and I shouldn't even be here with you. I shouldn't be touching dead things. I shouldn't be here with the Philistines. I shouldn't be drinking wine of any kind. My hair is not to be cut. You want to know why? Because I'm a Nazarite and because I've been set apart before I was born to serve the living God. And you know what, family? It's very difficult for us sometimes to stand up in our workplace and just proclaim it. It's very difficult in the family sometimes just to say, you know what, I'm a Christian. This is why It's like hanging out with friends or even there on the street to proclaim righteousness and to say I'm a follower of Jesus and I don't do that. But that's why I don't want to do that. And just setting the standard right away because we're scared. We set that standard, then we have to live to that. And that means we can't mess around at all. And that's the power in speaking for things in your life, in the public, family. That's the power in going on record in confession to a brother. Because when you go on record, you're going to be held accountable. And when you go on record in front of a people, then you're going to be held accountable. That's why it's important to go on record. And Samson was scared. He would not say he was a Nazarite. Just stand up and say, man, I'm a Nazarite. Let it be a word for us. All right. We're here in verse... Oh, she's she's telling him, Don't you love me? Why have you mocked me three times not told me your strength so I can kill you? Verse 16, And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, saying, like, I just want to die. This woman nags me day and night. Why didn't he leave? What's wrong with him? That's how sin is, though, huh? It gets a hold of you. It's hard to get away from it. So maybe God's speaking to you tonight. Maybe you need to run. Maybe you need to let go. Maybe you need to take a hike. Maybe you need to go up into the mountain, spend time by yourself with the king and get that settled with. Verse 17, That he told her all his heart and said unto her, 
There has not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. And if I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, gosh, what a... Woo! She sent, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up at once, for he has showed me all of his heart. Now what a soap opera, huh? Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought money into her hand. Oh, man. She got her money. She made him sleep on her knees. He shouldn't have been asleep on his knees. He should have been on his knees, huh? Praying to the king. She called for a man, and he caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon you, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out at this time, other times before, and shake myself. For, hey, I'm going to sweep, sweep the floor with these guys. And look at the verse. And he wists not that the Lord was departed from him, or he knew not that God had left him. What a scary day for Samson, huh? Gosh, there's been many scary days like this in my life when hey, I'm doing the Christian thing, setting the Christian example, trying to live this way, but hey, messing around in places I shouldn't or doing things or saying things or being this or that and all of a sudden it's revealed and all of a sudden it comes to the surface and I wish not that the Lord is it's like Lord how could you let this happen it's like you reap what you sow son I love you and I don't want that I don't want destruction for your life be careful family gosh be careful that's what I'm telling you gosh don't let the Spirit depart from you. Let it come upon you tonight. Start stepping out in that way before you come to a point in your life and you, you find like, snap. I've just been doing the motions. I've just been being a same old Christian, doing the same things I do every week. And man, the Spirit's not with me anymore. All of a sudden, realization just comes into play. It's like, man, gosh, look where I'm at. Look what's happened. All this time has gone by. I've done nothing. Don't let it come. Don't allow it to happen. Maybe the time is right now for you tonight. Maybe you recognize it within your own life. The Spirit is not there, but you want it. Then receive it in the name of Jesus and make a change. Allow Jesus' stuff to happen this next week. Step out. Let's finish this up. Ten verses. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. That means they, they ripped out his eyes or they burnt out his eyes. And they brought him down to Gaza and brought him with fetters brass and he did grind in the prison house. That means he just, he pushed just like a donkey would do. You know when it grinds the mill like it's on a grinding machine? That's what he did. They, they, they made him blind and he couldn't see and they strapped him down to this grinding mill and that's all he did is he just walked around the scene and just grinded all day long. I wonder if the reaping had so come upon him time and time again just wondering and wishing he wouldn't have done the things that he'd done. The Lord's, and howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. So he's grinding away, and the hair starts to grow on his head. Then the Lord of the Philistines gathered together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God, and to rejoice, for they said, Our God had delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Oh, that just makes me upset ticks me off man but you know what that's what sin does family it gives the enemy opportunity to rejoice and say aha you little buster 
backhanded you and got you in the place that you're at. Now you can't get out. Look at Samson, hopeless. The hair shaved off his head because he was disobedient. That's what sin does to us. It gives the enemy, it gives the non-believers that we know opportunity to say, ah, yeah, see, little Christian thing, oh, doesn't do anything. That God in your life, yeah, whatever. That's why we got to stand up for righteousness. So we got to be different everywhere that we go. So we got to step out and show that love and not just be stale, apathetic Christians who sit around. we got to move. Let's be an army that takes land, not gives it up. It takes time. It takes just simple people like you standing up. Man, I, I got to go and make a difference there in New Zealand, but it's not because, hey, I ain't a good man. I'm not faithful. I'm telling you. I know who I am. I know when I sin. But I think it's a simple place of just saying, hey, even though I'm a, I'm a screw-up God, even though I don't know how to be faithful unto you, hey, I'm just going to step out whenever. I'll be whoever you want me to be anytime. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to keep going. I'm not going to allow the enemy to bring me down and say, hey, Josh, because you sinned and messed up. You know how many times I've sinned in radical ways and come and taught a sermon and God blesses? You know what? I think to myself, like, God, you should not have me on this pulpit. I have not done good. I have not been faithful to you to be able to proclaim the truth to these people. But to just step out anyways, despite what the enemy may be saying in my mind or in my heart. Like, you're not worth it, man. You're not good enough. You haven't done what you're supposed to. And God blesses anyways. That's what it's about, family. It's about stepping out no matter where you're at in your life and watching God do a great deal of work. Don't allow the enemy to bring you down. Ah, Dagon? Who's D- Dagon the fish god? They're praising him. They're lifting him up. The fish? The living God should be being exalted through a man named Samson. But because of Samson's disobedience to the Lord, they praise this Dagon. Oh, I want to backhand Dagon. Verse 24, And when the people saw him, they praised their God. Oh! For they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, and the destroyer of our country which slew many of us. The man of the Nazarite. They're praising their God. Verse 25, And it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he may that he may make us sport. Or we can be entertained by this little Christian guy. Let's make fun of him. And they called for Samson out of prison on the house and they made him sport. And they set him between two pillars. And Samson said, unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me, that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Verse 27, Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the land there, and there upon the roof about 3,000 men and women, and they beheld Samson and made sport. Look at this. They made fun of him. There he is. They, they come, hey, hey, let's handcuff Samson in front of everybody. Let's just get him up on display let's, so we can just mock him and laugh at him and say, aha, your God didn't do it. You failed. Our God is greater than your God. And oh man, that just really stirs me inside, family, because man, there are so many people here in this city. What is this skin sticker doing all over here? Praising their God, lifting it up if it is something to be exalted. Hey, right, that thing, that's trash. It's only going to bring destruction to a household. It's not going to help anybody. We dropkick the world's gods. 
we stand up and say, man, that's wrong. You know what? I'm going to relive for righteousness and I'm going to make an example for all men to see that this is the way life is to be held. I'm going to show true joy and happiness in my life because I follow my God and make a difference here in Riverside. Make a stand. Don't allow them. Do not allow the people to exalt that God. Challenge them. Challenge them. That's one thing the men in the Bible did many times that we do not do today. If your God's real, then let Him do this. And one of the brothers was telling me a story there in New Zealand. Talking to a Buddhist who's actually their atheist. They don't believe there is a God. They just believe there's many different good things you should be... Anyways, reincarnation and all the above. But he, he was preaching to him. He's telling him. He said this. We, we had a devotion that morning and I had talked about us stepping out in the Spirit and stepping out in faith in radical ways. And he said this to him. He said, hey, if your God's real, then let Him change your life tonight. But if my God's real, then He's going to show up and He's going to speak to you. You call out to my God and He will answer you. I, I promise. I dare you to step out and, and speak to my God. And you watch what happens. That's radical. That's crazy. That's faith, man. Because many times we think, well, what if God doesn't show up? What do you mean? What do you mean He's not going to show up? Call unto me and I will hear you and show you great mighty things which you do not know, He says to us. And He will show up. And we've got to step out in faith, family. We've got to, man, be rejuvenated. Gosh, these weak gods who cannot even hear or talk. These gods that are made of stone or stickers on the back of somebody's truck. It's ridiculous. We have a living and powerful God. Put Him to the test and see if He won't prevail right in front of your eyes. Remember Reynolds, the story I told two weeks ago? He said to the guy straight to his face, they were debating whether or not Jesus is God. He said, hey, why don't you ask Jesus yourself if He's God? So the guy gets out on the sidewalk right there out of the coffee shop and he bows down to the ground and says, Jesus, are you God? Reynolds looks at him and says, what did he say? He said, I knew before I got on my knees that he was God. And Reynolds said, you want to give your life to Jesus right now? He said, yes. That's radical. Your God is real, man. He's powerful. He's mighty. He's going to do that work. You step out. Look at Samson as we finish this. The people mocking. In verse 27, as I already said, that the house is full of many people, 3,000 men and women, laughing at Samson. And there... Verse 28, Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord, O Lord God, remember me, I pray you, and strengthen me, I pray you, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pil pillars. Stop right there. Gosh, man. I was reading some commentary today and John Corson was saying that he believed that if Samson would have cried out to God to deliver him, Instead of crying out to God for revenge, you believe that God would have just right there maybe even delivered him in some miraculous way and still used him to deliver Israel from the Philistines like God had planned. But what did Samson ask for? God, let me avenge my eyes. You selfish. He just wanted revenge. He cries out to God. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon the house that stood, upon which was born of the one with his right hand and the other with his left 
Sorry. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all of his might. And the house fell upon all the lords and upon all the people that were therein, so that they died, which were slew of his death, more than they which slew his life. Then brethren and all the house of the fathers came down and took him and brought him and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol, in the burying place of Manoah his father. And he judged Israel twenty years. man you look at this man's life and you say 20 years there at the end it still mentions that he judged Israel and that he ruled but what is all this why is this a great story why is this here in the Bible hey it's great illustration many ways in sin to run from it to stay away from it but secondly to show that God can do mighty things in a weak man He did do mighty things through Samson in delivering Israel from the Philistines in minor ways here and there. But, look at this. What is Samson... Would you you take Samson and say, that's that's the standard I want you to live by, guys. Uh, If there was ever a man we want to chase after and be like in the Bible, it's Samson. It's like, uh, maybe not the best example, maybe more like Joseph or Daniel, amazing men, or Paul. But Samson, and you know what? God put Samson there, what, in Hebrews chapter 11, in the hall of faith. I look at this man's life and say, he prayed two times that we know of in his entire life. Samson prayed two times. Remember the first one? Crying out for water after he'd killed a thousand men. God, are you going to let me die? Give me water. The second time, God, please God, hear me. Avenge my eyes. Two times. But God says this. That man's in my hall of faith. What? Lord, it looks like he doesn't have anything to bring to the table. That's my man. That's the one I'm going to put in the scriptures. That's the one that I'm going to say there in Hebrews chapter 11. The greats. Samson's in there. What? Why? See, because God looks at a person and sees this. Even when everyone else sees nothing in a person's life, God sifts through a person and finds any precious thing that he can find within them and he exalts it. God is not trying to keep people out of heaven. God is not saying, hey, no one can get in. Many times we say that the, the road is narrow and very few find it. The way to destruction is wide and very few find that. Narrow does not mean that it's hard to get there. Narrow means it's one way and very few will find it. I believe God wants to sneak people in the back door of heaven. He's not saying, no one, you will not come in. You do not get to come in. I, I want to keep as many out as I can. Yeah, right. He wants his children therein. And it's beautiful grace that God can look into a man like Samson and find precious things in his life and put him there in Hebrews chapter 11 and family tonight. Listen, maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like, man, I only prayed a couple times last week and guess what? It was for me. You know what? I haven't been living the way I want to for the king. God looks at you tonight. And he finds those precious things in your life and says, I love you. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for serving me. Thank you for being obedient to the things that I've called you to. And you're like, what are you talking about? That's not me. He's looking at you, friend. He's looking at me. I know. When we look at ourselves, we're not worth much. But when God looks at us, He says, man, I can use that one. And I'm going to use him. The world may look at him and say, hey, they're a bunch of losers. 
They don't have anything to offer. God says, I'm going to use that man. I'm going to use that woman to make a difference. I look at a guy like Steve Wilbur. As many things as maybe people may have little problems here and there with. But as many things that he had problems in his life with, and I sit there and watch that man day after day. Sure, I can point out things in everyone's life, but I look at the faithfulness to serve God. You got a girl pregnant in high school. His parents were divorced. He's reaching up to touch the bottom at age 18. He had nothing. That man's been preaching the gospel for 25 years, day in and day out. 29 years. Led more people to Christ than anybody I know. God can take what man looks at and says, he's messed up his life. And turn it around and use you to the greatest degree you could ever imagine. But what does it take, family? It takes you stepping out. If you feel like a loser, step out and watch God make you a winner right there in that moment. If you don't feel like you should be able to preach a message because of what you've done, you stand up and you preach and you watch what God does. You watch how He speaks. You watch how He delivers. Amen? Thank you for bearing with me through the cold tonight. Thank you for being with me till 8.55. Family, I love you guys. It's been a little while. And I exhort you in the name of Jesus to make a stand where you're at right now. Let God change you. Let God use you wherever you're at, okay? Please. Let's be different. I want to hear some radical stuff happen next week, alright? Step out in faith and watch God use you. I'm going to pray that He will right now. Father, thank You for this group that is faithful to just endure the cold. And endure my lengthy speech. And Father, I just pray that Lord, You would stir something within us that we've never felt. That we would want to take our walks to a new level with You, Jesus, being ready in season and out of season to minister at any point in time. And God, stepping out on that bridge and speaking forth faith and truth that You are a living God and You will answer people if they call You. To step out in radical ways and watch You do amazing works. Please, God, minister to these. Give us that strength and that boldness that we need to live for that. Help us to run from sin. Gosh, the Samson, Lord, a strong man, was taken down. It's so easy for us men to be taken down. The world is wicked. Father, help the women to rise up and be women that pray and are diligent in the Scriptures daily. Seek Your face and live to love. Make us men holy, righteous, and set apart. Lay a foundation for this city and for our families. God, we want to be different. Would you please use us? We're calling unto you. If that's you, would you just say in your heart, that's me, King. We're calling unto you. I want that. I want the change. I want to make a stand. Would you have your way in me? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Amen. Amen.